Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. As we celebrate the 48th anniversary of the passage of Title IX, we welcome one of the legends of American soccer, a Hall of Famer, one of the key cogs on the 99 World Cup championship team that would do so much to advance women's sports in the U.S. and beyond, our old friend and colleague, Julie Foudy. Julie, thank you for being with us. Hi, Jeremy. Julie, it's it's kind of impossible to talk about um, the evolution of women's sports and the impact of Title IX 48 years later without talking about 1999. And I know you talk about it all the time. And uh, I know you're asked to talk about it all the time. Um, but you can't really overstate the significance of what happened um, that summer. When you think back to it now, how do you place it in the context of all that we've seen in terms of progress in women's sports? It, you know, I, um, I, I take a long, heavy sigh there because when we were in the moment in 99, we felt and we were very cognizant of the fact that this is going to be the standard that all other women's sporting events aspire to. And not just women's soccer events, right? Like we were very conscious of we're in the moment. We're setting the standard. We're doing it in big stadiums. We're doing it national. We're not going, which is what FIFA wanted us to do, go on the East Coast only, do a regional tournament, play in five to 10,000 seat stadiums. We blew up that plan. We said, that's stupid. We're going to show the world what women's sports should look like, what the standard should be, so that people understand the potential that they can tap into, right? And so it was really gutsy in that regard. Actually, U.S. soccer, I found out later, assumed all risk because FIFA said, no, we're not going to take on that risk to go to big stadiums and do a national footprint. So, so U.S. soccer said, okay, we'll assume all that risk. We're going to do it. And um, and so in the moment, we felt like, oh, my gosh, this is going to revolutionize the way people – invest in women's sports, the way they put on events in women's sports, because we had a whole local organizing committee that spent three, four years planning, marketing, getting to the grassroots, putting out a plan. Um, we did a ton of that as well. And you see the success of it. But the interesting thing is, is when you look back, which we did a lot last year for the 20th anniversary, you go, well, of course, it got all this attention in the United States, but it wasn't the catalyst we had hoped it would be in a sense that it's taken so long still for, and especially if you're just speaking women's soccer, it's taken so long for federations and for countries to wrap their arms around the idea of if we put an investment into our women's program, it's a small investment for a large return. And you're finally seeing that now. We saw it with the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. We saw it you know, a little bit more with the two sorry, a little bit before that in 2015 with the World Cup prior to that in Canada. You're seeing big crowds, big numbers, but really we saw it for the first time. Something similar to 99 took 20 years later to do. And so I think that's our frustration is for what that event was and what we thought it should be. It's taken a really long time to actually 
uh, grow its roots and the tree to blossom. We're speaking with Julie Foudy, the U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, soccer legend, played such an important role in the 99 team that is such a big part of the story of the evolution of women's sports here in the U.S. and beyond. You know, Julie, it's been five years since Sepp Blatter uh, was ousted or self-ousted, however you want to put it, as the head of FIFA. Johnny Infantino's been there now for four years in charge. What can you say about, and, and I'll be blunt, Sepp Blatter, my impression of Sepp Blatter was someone who did not have um, the utmost respect for the women's game and did not champion it the way that it should have been championed. Um, how are things now with a different uh, uh, leadership, with different leadership at FIFA? You know, Gianni Infantino, when he came in, he understood that, you know, the women's game was part of his platform. And so FIFA has come out with recommendations and proposals and and flowery language around their intent to grow the women's game. But a lot of their targets are so far off, right, with things they want to do that um, you're not seeing the movement I had hoped for with him and the change I had hoped for with him. I think uh, 2019 Women's World Cup I'll go to again is a great example. They want this to be the premier event, right, for women's soccer, for women's sports in general, not just women's soccer. And yet when you're on the ground in France, Jeremy, as you know, having covered many men's World Cups, Euros, right, when you're there at a men's World Cup, everywhere you turn, there's signage, there's uh, banners, there's things hanging on the, the light posts, the lamp posts, everywhere, right? It's like you, you're hit, hit over the head when you come to the airport that they're hosting this World Cup. And for the Women's World Cup, maybe you saw a little bit of that in the smaller towns, but nothing in Paris, nothing in Lyon. It's really hard to even get a feel outside of the stadiums themselves that there's an event going on. And so they continue to market it and promote it similar they do their Youth World Cups, where they spend, they don't put any money behind it. They don't make it a big event. So um, there's constantly, you know, people frustrated because there's no merchandise to be had. They don't sell it. Uh, and so it's just of the mindset still, which I worry about inside FIFA headquarters, that eh, it's women's soccer, right? It's an afterthought. Um, and again, I, I just, I don't get it because there's money to be had that's sitting on the table. This is an untapped market. There's more gain to be gained, I think, on the women's side than the men's side right now because so little has been put into the women's game. Julie, what's going on now uh, between the U.S. Women's National Team and the U.S. Soccer Federation? A story, obviously, we've been following for a long time. Their fight um, for better pay, um more equal treatment, um, most recently a victory in court for the Federation, uh, essentially judge saying they are being paid as much as the men or have been paid as much as the men. What, what, what you know, what is um, the status right now of what's going on in that battle between soccer and the U.S. Women's National Team? And of course now there's a new leader at the U.S. Uh, uh, Soccer Federation who is your former teammate, Cindy Parlow Cohn. Right. Who is a 99er who lived through all the past negotiations and battles and gets it, right? Uh, you also have a new CEO in Will Wilson who 
I, I, my understanding is he's sympathetic to the player side of things, being an agent for many years as well. So you definitely have new leadership. What's happening, though, is with that court ruling, obviously the women lost a ton of leverage, right? The judge ruling that, well, in fact, that five-year period that I'm tasked with looking at in this case shows that you made comparable to what the men made, if not more in some instances. Um, the women argue, of course, well, those that five-year period you're looking at, we had to win two World Cups, we had to do well in everything we did, and the men didn't even qualify for a World Cup. Um, but what I'm hopeful for and what's not happening, sadly, is I'm hopeful that this doesn't spend another two years in an appeal process uh, and end up going to trial, but that actually they sit at the table. The only thing that worked for us back in my day Right. The only time we moved the needle was when we sat human to human, not lawyer to lawyer, but like player to president. And now with this shift in leadership, with Cindy there as the president who really wants to get something done, I'm surprised there hasn't been more movement on the player side and on that front. But right now, and, and you know, I spoke to Crystal Dunn uh, this past week for the ESPNW Summit in the past and other players. And you know, they'll say, well, quarantine and the pandemic and we, you know, we haven't been able to get together as a group either. And so and that probably obviously has slowed things down. But there has been my understanding from both from sources on both sides. is There's been no movement to settle at all. Well, that's um, that's uh, that's got to be discouraging to you, obviously. Yeah, because I think what we, we realized right all along, even before the judge ruled in this, is that the court of legal opinion is very different than the court of public opinion. Although they had a ton of public sentiment on their side, you talked to a lot of different lawyers, which I did too, uh, prior to the, the judge, uh, you know, giving his opinion. And they would say, you know, Jules, it's not that great a case. And, um, and I think they should settle. I think that U.S. soccer realizes they have huge strides they need to make. And um, and at the time, Carlos Cordero, the president, was desperate to to settle because they also know U.S. soccer. It's a no win situation. Even if you win in court, you still lose in public sentiment and sponsor support because sponsors clearly want to see some movement on the women's side as well. So I I still am hopeful that that they will actually get to the table and be able to have some type of interaction, type, some type of settlement. Julie Foudy, the host of the podcast, laughter permitted the hall of famer it's always great to have you on the show to share your thoughts julie thank you so much as we celebrate the 48th anniversary of title nine's passage thanks julie thanks jeremy i'm jeremy shap and you can listen to new editions of the sporting life every saturday and sunday morning on espn radio and the espn app beginning at 6 a.m eastern time